Make it your life's ambition to be faithful to God as you join us today for Abounding Grace. You know, I want to be faithful. And the Bible speaks to me of I'm going to be faithful, then I'm going to also be full of faith. And in order for you and me to be full of faith, we need to face the circumstances of life with the choice to trust God, not man, not what's in some textbook, not what some professor said, or what some website says, or what's the new thing on social media. This is amazing grace. It's time once again for Abounding Grace. Join us as we study Hebrews chapter 11 and learn of God's abounding grace. There are some things in life we won't completely understand. For instance, why would a child die at an early age? Or why do bad things happen to good people? Well, today, as Pastor Ed Taylor examines the life of Isaac, we'll learn that it's important to live by faith rather than understanding. That may seem easier said than done, but today's lesson will certainly help. Would you take your Bibles and open them to two places, please? Hebrews chapter 11 and Genesis chapter 26. Hebrews chapter 11, Genesis chapter 26, as in a Bible study that I've entitled, By Faith, Isaac Blessed. Now, we have been studying through the book of Hebrews verse by verse, and then we took the pause when all of the restrictions started, we took a pause and we began to reflect upon the love of our good shepherd. And we just really felt like we needed to understand that we're not going through this alone, that we have a good shepherd that's taking care of us, that's leading us, that is going to minister to us, and that he's responsible for us. And then as we started seeing things come to an end, we shifted to this theme of hope. And we got those shirts made that said, hope is contagious. And we're looking at how contagious a virus can be, but hope is far more contagious. And we wanted to encourage that message through us. So we went from love, uh, really from faith to love to hope, and now we're back to faith again as we jump in and pick up where we left off in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 20. Because we're moving forward in what has been called the hall of faith. This chapter is a chapter highlighting the episodes of faith in men and women that have gone before us. Men and women with far less than you and I have. Far less technology. They didn't even have the New Covenant yet. They didn't even have the New Testament yet. They didn't even have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. They didn't even have the empowering of the Holy Spirit. They didn't even have veggie tales to have for their kids to watch on TV to learn the biblical moral lessons through different vegetables. But they had faith. They had faith. And they lived from what they knew. They had a true abiding relationship with God. And we have that too. Oh yes, we have different tools and oh yes, we have different technology. But we have faith. The Bible says that God has given to every one of us a measure of faith. And should we want to wander and should we start to stumble and should we get sidetracked or distracted, we come back to the Word of God 
to stabilize us and steady us and encourage us and strengthen us in our faith. Remember the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The Word of God. And God's Word speaks faith into us and stirs up obedience. And these men and women, as well as many others, stand as examples, not so much in their journey. There's not enough room in chapter 11 to give us all of their lives, but rather episodes, episodes in their life that highlight a faithful decision, different decisions that would encourage us in the decisions that we make and that we're we're faced with. So pick up with me in verse 1 by way of review. It says, now faith is the substance, this is Hebrews 11, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things that are seen were not made of things which are visible. And so we began to learn about the faith of Abel, his worship, the faith of Enoch, his walk, the faith of Noah, his work. Then we got to Abraham, his obedience. I I love verse 8, by the way, in the obedience of Abraham. I love this phrase at the end. I have it underlined and highlighted. And he went out not knowing where he was going. And how many of us are in a position in our lives right now not knowing Not knowing where we're going, not knowing what's going to happen, not knowing how it's going to turn out, not knowing. And yet Abraham stands before us as a man of obedience that he's went out even though he didn't have the full story. And by faith he sojourned, verse 9, and he waited for that city. Then we came to verse 11 and we learned about Sarah and her faith that she received strength to conceive seed and she received the child of promise. And then in verse 13, they all, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and assured of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on all the earth. Like that, this one verse can be the entirety of the rest of your spiritual life, learning to see things with spiritual eyes and learning to be assured by faith, learning to embrace the promises of God, confess them and live in obedience. I mean, this can be the entirety of our life and they stand as examples to us. It says in verse 15, if they had truly called to mind that country which they had come out of, they would have had opportunity to return, but they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And then we learn about Abraham, another episode in his life, when he took his only begotten son Isaac up to Mount Moriah to offer him as a sacrifice and obedience. And notice in verse 19, he accounted God was able to raise him up even from the dead, which he also received him in a figurative sense. And now we come to verse 20, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. Isaac, if you'd like to write in your Bibles in verse 20 there, you can circle the word Isaac, his name. It means laughter. It means laughter. He was a child that would always remind his parents of the sense of humor of God. You could say that he was a miracle child. Against the odds, despite the odds, God opened the womb of Sarah at such an old age and gave them the promise of the child that was given so many years before. And I like that phrase, despite the odds. Despite the odds. 
Despite the impossibilities, despite the obstacles, God provided a way. In this case, provided a way for a child. And I wonder how many of you can have the same testimony, despite the odds, especially in this realm of children, despite the odds, despite what the test came out, despite what the doctor said, God gave you the desire of your heart, a child, naturally perhaps, maybe through adoption or the foster care system. Perhaps he opened the womb just miraculously, but God is faithful. I think of my own parents who were unable to conceive the entirety of their marriage, but God gave them the blessing of children. And I did refer to myself as a blessing, yes. The blessing of children through adoption. I don't know how often they saw me as a blessing or not so much a blessing, but adoption was the route that God blessed even my parents. And you see, God is able to lead us despite the odds. Despite the odds. I love that phrase because we have a tendency, when the odds are against us, we have a tendency to measure up things by our own strength, our own abilities, and, and our own mind and resources. Like when you're up, like, like for instance, if you're up against a financial situation, many of you will immediately get the calculator out and check the bank account. And you'll click a click, and if we move the money over here, and we take a little loan over here, and we put it all, we can get it all together. And then you take those decisions, you make those decisions, you get out of it, you get a, a sense of peace, you get a sense, but, but when you face the odds, you immediately go to the bank account and you immediately go to the calculator instead of immediately going to God of the bank account and of the calculator. Why? Because it's just a habit of ours. It's a habit of ours. When we face difficulties, we immediately try to get out of them. I, I know it's true for me. Like when you begin to balance between faith and figuring things out, I have a tendency to lean toward figuring things out. Uh, partly because that's how God wired me but also partly because I can be faithless at times. And I could look for temporary solutions to give me temporary peace. And it's always temporary. When we choose to line up things with our own strength and abilities and resources, we severely limit our dependence upon God. Have you ever considered it's worth being reminded today that God allows us and maybe even sometimes sends us into situations that require us to respond in faith. That the situation you're in has passed through the providential hand of God. He knows all about it and he bids you to come by faith, trusting him with your life. I so appreciate the ministry of Pastor Chuck Smith. Let me quote from him on this topic when he says, when impossible situations arise, we need to remember that God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Can I get an amen for that? exceedingly abundantly. These battles, he writes, are not against us. They're against God. And no one can move our God. If you're worried or distressed about a problem, you haven't come to a real trust in God yet. The moment you place the whole situation in God's hands, worry will go away. Fear and anxiety will disappear. Rest in God. It's all in God's hands. End quote. And truly it is. Faith, trusting God, with, not with our resources. Zechariah chapter 4, jotted down in verse 6, says, Not by might and not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And this has been the message to the Hebrew believers, Jewish believers, who have embraced Messiah. They are seeing the fulfillment of the promises of God. They receive Messiah 
in the promised land. They have confessed their sins. The blood of Jesus Christ has washed their sins away. And yet they've paid a high price for it. Because the old covenant is still being exercised. There are people still worshiping in the old covenant at the temple with the sacrifices. Their family has dismissed them and excluded them. Taking them out and said, you cannot, like treating them as if they never existed because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And they're wanting to go backwards. They're wondering if it was even worth it. And it's like the writer to the Hebrews, who I believe is Paul. But remember, the writer to the Hebrews, well, let me ask you this, a real pop quiz. Who is the author of the Bible? Say it out loud. God is the author of the Bible. So when he writes through human agency, through someone like Paul, or 40, 39 other authors, when he writes this, it's like he's saying, if you want to go backwards, you've got to go through the faith of these men and women. You've got to consider Abel because he didn't go backwards. And you've got to consider Enoch because he didn't go backwards. And you've got to consider Noah. And you've got to think of Abraham and Sarah. You've got to think of Jacob, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and on and on the list goes as we uh, study person by person through the book of Hebrews. He says, you've got to go through all these people because they were faced with insurmountable problems and they continued by faith with less than what you and I have today. They, they had a simple faith. That, that brought about them a strong dependence upon God. And it wasn't without failures. We'll see with Isaac's life today. It wasn't a perfect life, but it was a faithful life. You know, I want to be faithful. And the Bible speaks to me of, I'm going to be faithful, then I'm going to also be full of faith. And in order for you and me to be full of faith, we need to face the circumstances of life with the choice to trust God, not man, not what's in some textbook. Not what some professor said or what some website says or what's the new thing on social media or all the things that are pressing in. You know, we live in this culture. You realize that we live in this culture. When you think of culture, I want you to think of this. I don't want you to think of Western culture. I don't want you to think of the United States so much. Or I want you to think of this. When you think of culture, I want you to think of atmosphere. I want you to think of the atmosphere. Because the atmosphere is all around us right now. Even through the mask that you have on, you're breathing in and breathing out the atmosphere. The atmosphere in this particular room is filled with conditioned air, air conditioning. It's on and it's good and it feels great. And we're happy when it works and upset when it doesn't. But that's the atmosphere. You're just breathing it in, breathing it out. You're, you're in it. It's all around you. You don't pay much attention to it, quite frankly. It just is what it is. Well, culture is like that. You're breathing in and out the culture in which you live. If you think of breathing and use that as an illustration of taking in and coming out. Taking in. So, so you're, you're, you're in the atmosphere of this culture with the way the world sings and has music. The way the world sees this, this, the way the world and the culture sees this world is expressed through music. And you go, hey Ed, you know what? I, I, don't, I don't even listen to secular music. I don't listen to it. But, but actually you do. Actually you do. You breathe it in and breathe it out all the time. I mean, if you didn't notice, you probably just went to the market not too long ago. And if you pause long enough in an aisle with a speaker right above you, there's music playing in the market. And it's probably not music glorifying God, although on occasion, I have heard a Chris Tomlin song at King Supers. So I remember it reminded me of the time when I was in the corporate world and I got in trouble for putting a little verse on the bottom of my email and I was looking for a way to sort of insert the gospel in some way. So I found where they had the on hold music 
I found the CD player. They had the on-hold music, and I burned a few um, musical, uh, not musical, but I, I burned a few CDs, uh, the musical version of some old Maranatha songs, and I put all five CDs in there so that it would continue to play. So if you called our corporate business anywhere in California, actually, we were the call center for all of California, and we put you on hold, you'd be hearing a Maranatha song in your ear. I think I got away with it for six weeks until someone complained because they knew what the song was. You see, the, the point I'm making is that the atmosphere that you're in is all around you. The world has a way of doing things, culture. They have a way of seeing things and defining things. And if you breathe in enough of the culture and breathe, it's going to come out of you. It's going to bring about a faithlessness in you. It's going to take away your hope for the future. It's going to take away your hope for that city whose builder and maker is God. It's going to take away from you that desire to tell others about the forgiveness of their sins and the hope of heaven and the love of God. The Hebrews were in a place, these Hebrew Jewish believers were in a place where they're being tempted to go backwards. And they were more comfortable in, a, in an environment of works, more comfortable with things that they could see instead of the things that they would believe. And we see in the beginning of chapter 11, faith has substance and there's evidence to it. That we have faith in a real God. And Isaac stands as a blessing to us today as he, at the end of his life, verse 20 of Hebrews 11, this is the end of his life, he blesses his sons concerning things to come. He blesses his sons concerning things to come. He is going to lay hands on his kids and bless them, even though it's a messy situation. God gave Isaac as a fulfillment of his promise to Abraham and Sarah. He actually lives longer in years than any of the other patriarchs, but he's not given as much attention as the others. He's a reminder of the sense of humor of God, the faithfulness of God. We know that as we learned last time, we learned something about the depth of character in Isaac. So Isaac's only remembered about this blessing episode, but we know earlier from Abraham that, that he had a depth of character as Abraham, his dad, taking his young son up to Mount Moriah and offer him as a sacrifice in obedience to God. Now we know that Isaac, we don't know exactly how old he was, but we know he was old enough to overpower his dad, his old dad, his hundred-year-old dad. As he began to process, oh, what's going on here? You know, don't get, in your, don't, don't get in your mind Abraham going up Mount Moriah with a red wagon and his son's kind of in it, going, okay, dad, let's go up and we'll see what you're going to do. He's a grown man carrying wood for the sacrifice with the servants, walking up in obedience to his dad, and then getting there and going, you know, where's the sacrifice? Dad, what's going on? And yet somehow in that dialogue, he says, no, son, I want you to lay down on the altar here. And what do we read of Isaac? He lays down on the altar. He trusts his dad. So we know there's a depth of character in him. He allows himself to be bound willing to lay himself down on the altar of obedience to his father, not understanding. I, I find in this text today a couple of things that rise to the, to the top. You know, the first one is not knowing. The second one is not understanding. 
How many of us are in situations right now where maybe even this was your prayer life. Maybe this was your prayer life recently. You're just crying out to God and you're saying, God, I don't understand. This doesn't make sense. This is not what I expected. And your relationship with God because of the pain and because of the fear and because of the anger and the anguish, maybe even the bitterness, you, you have turned a very dangerous corner where now your relationship with God is, is things will be better when you understand. Even though you really haven't demanded it yet, in your mind you're kind of like, you know, Lord, you need to tell me. I, I'm going to hold out. I'm, I'm not going any farther until I understand this situation. And you find yourself stuck. No longer walking by faith. You know, the Bible instructs us on more than one occasion, but very clearly, jot it down, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Very clearly. First of all, let me read it to you from the New Living Translation so it will adjust your thinking a little bit. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says, For we live by believing and not by seeing. We live by believing and not by seeing. You might have memorized it in the old King James or maybe uh, the new King James as we live by faith and not by sight. But I like how the new living, we live by believing. There's an ongoing act of believing, moment by moment, situation by situation. The Bible doesn't instruct us to live by understanding. We don't live by understanding, we live by faith. The Bible doesn't instruct us to live by our feelings. The Bible tells us to live by believing. And that's the battle. When you want to think of the battle between the spirit and the flesh, think of it in this way. Walking by faith or walking by sight? Walking by faith or walking by understanding? That's Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. And Ed, as we closed, you made such an important point. We're to live by faith and not by understanding or feelings. Would you speak to the person who's thinking right now, that's so hard, especially when a tragedy strikes. You know, Larry, I'd love to do that because uh, it is hard. And so if, if that's you and you're thinking right now, it is so hard, I, I want to validate that it is. Um, it's extremely hard. Or a phrase that I've developed over the last few years, it's harder than hard. Um, however, it's in those hard situations that God's strength is made perfect. Remember, I'm reminded of Paul when he was crying out for the thorn in his side to be removed by God, and the answer from God was, no, I'm not going to remove it. You're going to live with it, Paul. You're going to deal with it. You're going to have it, but you're going to also get something with it. I'm going to give you something else to come alongside of it, and that is my grace is sufficient for you. Because my weakness or my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And so as you are learning to live with great difficulty and challenge, I want to encourage you to learn also to choose. And this is a moment by moment. This is going to be exhausting. I want to warn you ahead of time. It's very tiring and exhausting to choose to abide in Christ. And you're like, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. I mean, Jesus promised me rest, a rest for my soul. That's correct. The exhaustion isn't from the rest that God gives you. It's from fighting your flesh. Yeah, it's from fighting your flesh and making wise choices so that you can enter into that rest. How? By faith. Enter into that rest by faith. 
And so I want to encourage you, stay strong in the grace of God. He's faithful. He's with you. And be encouraged. Thanks, Ed, for those encouraging words. And friend, if you'd like to give this a second listen, drop by AboundingGraceRadio.com. If your desire is to have a deeper experience with God, you'll want to read The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. This devotional is really an invitation to think deeply about your faith as you come alive to God's presence, surrounding, sustaining, and pursuing you. And we'll send it your way with a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace today. Call toll-free 877-30-GRACE. Again, we're at 877-30-GRACE. You can also order resources like this online at calvaryco.store. Please remember that it's your financial support that helps us do what we do. God is using the teaching of His Word in great ways, and what a privilege it is to be part of it. You can donate through our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. And if God has used Abounding Grace to bless and encourage you, we want to hear about it. And it's easy to share your thoughts and prayer requests at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Scroll down to the bottom of our homepage and connect with us. We'll return to Hebrews next time out on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. See you then. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.